What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 24 of True North Talk featuring Peter Burnett and myself, Joseph Staden. It's kind of a strange episode, I'm not going to lie, to start because we're using this new software to record uh, and we're seeing each other for the first time <laughs> from these <laughs> podcasts, which has not been usual, has it, Peter? Not since we recorded those first four or five back when I was still in Ohio. Yeah, it's definitely definitely a little odd, but I, I like it. It's nice to nice to see your face again. It feels like we're having a more natural conversation too. Yeah, and I want to say uh, we were also speaking before this podcast um, about some of our analytics, and I want to say shout out to the listeners because we apparently have some listeners we did not know about, um, some very diverse locations of listeners. We have people in Belgium. We have some listeners. I mean, what are some of the locations? Mexico. What else? Russia. I saw I saw a, a, a dot in Japan too. Probably one, one or maybe two downloads from out there. So kind of kind of all over the place now. It's, it's you know, small numbers out in those areas. We're definitely seeing more um, condensed in, in Ohio still and in the United States as a whole. But it's pretty cool to, to, to see that people are listening to to us from from all over the world and if you're one of those people thank you so much for listening to true north yeah we we appreciate everybody for listening um it's very awesome to see some some locations in there that you just never would think and and like you know this we're still early on in the days of true north talk there's a lot to come there's a lot of uh a lot of improvements still yet to be made and uh some very cool things coming in the future so if you guys have not already make sure you go and rate the podcast save it on your podcast your favorite podcast on spotify uh, Apple, make sure you got it saved and just keep your eye out. Cause we're going to be pumping out these episodes. Hopefully, um, in the near future, we're going to, we're going to try to get some, some weekly episodes. So, um, yeah, stick with us. But anyways, the subject for this episode, episode 24, uh, we're going to be diving into John 24 or 21, excuse me, uh, with the story of the fish with Simon Peter and, and Christ telling them to, to go get the fish um, after they were not having any luck. And we're going to talk about some different themes from the story we can take away. Um, to name a couple, we're talking. We're going to talk about grace. We're going to talk about redemption, trust. So to start us off with this subject, Peter, can you read uh, John 21, 1 through 8? Yeah. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as... Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, for those who don't know, that's referring to John. Whenever that's used in scripture in in the book of John, it's referring to John. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. When they yeah. landed... Oh, you can go ahead and finish that out. I was going to go through eight, but you can finish it out. Okay. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Yeah, so so first thing I noticed is, uh, and got a question for you, is uh, why do you think Peter, you know, why, why didn't he just take the boat back to the shore? Why did he dive off the boat, you know, wrapped in his outer garment and jump into the water? Why do you think he did that? I think because he was just excited and drawn, excited to see Jesus and was drawn to him. And I believe based on how far along into John we are, this is probably after Peter walked on water. So the the reason I thought about trust is because he maybe has that in the back of his mind that, you know, maybe he'll, he'll walk on water again. Um, but again, I think it's just that, that trust and that, anticipation that he has to see Jesus. That would be why he would have jumped out of the boat. Yeah. So going back to verse four, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Um, this is not the first time that after his resurrection, uh, that they did not recognize him. So why do you think that, 
I mean, it kind of ties into the previous question, but uh, why, why don't you think they recognized him? I think because at the time it was hidden from them. And I realized in my last response, I was making it seem like Jesus was out there in the water. I, f- I forgot that he was on the shore. So Peter obviously is maybe not thinking about walking on water, but instead just going to shore to see Jesus. But it's kind of that like almost veil that you see a lot of times in Bible in the Bible after Jesus came back that the disciples had where they are like knowing that it was Jesus was kind of veiled from them. Uh, and I think maybe that was just to establish a bit more trust in, in Jesus and maybe not to uh, result in a, a direct response to knowing who it was. Jesus probably didn't want them to know who he was at first for, for whatever reason. Um, but then he eventually, he eventually did obviously when they realized who it was. Yeah. It's more of a speculative question. You know, why didn't they recognize him? And I don't necessarily think there's a right answer on this because, you know, it's just one of those things that the the question itself is very complex because, you know, was it the fact that they didn't understand the gospel yet? They didn't understand like the, the, the actuality of Jesus' resurrection. They didn't expect him to, to really come back from the dead or did they not even maybe they didn't have faith to believe that they could have been Christ. Right. So I think that there's many different correct answers for that question. I I think, you you know, yeah, you rose a good point. I'm not even, it was just a discussion question. If you, if you ask me why I didn't recognize him, I would probably fall on the side of, um, they didn't understand the entirety of, uh, what Jesus had said he was here to do. So, but clearly at some point here in verse seven, it says it is the Lord. Um, and they did recognize him. And that's when, when Simon jumped in the water. And when I asked about that, you know, clearly there's a level of excitement there. Um, when he realized, right. Cause it's like, this ain't just some random dude on the shore, you know, <laughs> like he, he was, he just could not wait to get over there. So I think that's kind of what happened there. Um, <clears throat> but continuing on, can you, I'll just, I'll, I'll go ahead and take, uh, eight through 14. You already read nine, right? Yeah. Cool. So I'll just start at nine. Uh, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it. And some bread. Well, first of all, do you know any significance? Do you recognize any significance from the burning coals and the fire in verse nine? No, no, I don't enlighten me. Yeah. So, uh, do you want to pull up John 18, 15 through 18 real quick? Yeah. And then you, you'll kind of see the, the parallel there. It's not something you necessarily pick up on if you weren't looking for it, but. Okay. I, I know where the, where this is without even reading the verse, just based on the subtitle. It was, uh, Peter was kind of in the, I think, inner court of the high priest courtyard. Um, Peter was waiting outside of the door and there was, it was cold. This is verse 18. It was cold and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. So yeah, definitely, definitely something interesting. Just the uh, connection there and the the symmetry between this moment and the moment when Peter denied Jesus. Yeah, there's a, there's always it seems like there's always some sort of <laughs> connection or parallel when we're having these stories yeah. um, relating to Christ after, especially after his resurrection. But continuing on, so verse 9, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So, uh, why do you, why don't you think the fish broke the net? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty simple kind of a, a Sunday school answer, but the, the power of God, obviously it worked there and Jesus kind of wanting to show that he was gonna, gonna bless them and that they wouldn't have to deal with losing all those fish or even just losing some of the fish or having to go out and get um, a new net. He was showing that he was there to provide for them and to, to bless them. Yeah. Can you imagine kind of the, the, the buzzkill, uh, nature of, you know, if it said, 
uh, it was full of large fish, 153, and the net broke, and the, sp- <laughs> the fish fell out. Yeah. <laughs> it would kind of take some of the, Yeah, it would kind of take some of the, uh, the marvel away from this story. Um, but, I mean, anything, and does anything, before I ask you a couple of these questions I got written, written down, anything stick out from that section of the story to you, just first off? Um, just from that section... I would say just when, when it says they knew it was the Lord and none of, like none of them had asked who it was and they knew it was the Lord. I think that shows the, the power and the aura of, of Jesus and just how important he was to these disciples and really how, how powerful and how special he is to us kind of in the same way, even though we don't see him face to face. Yeah. Is it, is it just me or is it kind of strange that there's not like an introduction? Like he's not like, Hey guys, What's going on? How you guys been doing? It's just like, bring some of the fish you just caught. Let's go have dinner. Like, it's not like, wow, it's been so long or, you know, there's not, maybe that happened. Hmm. Maybe it's just not in the story, but I don't know. It it seems like there should be some sort of introduction of some sorts. It's only the third time that he's, you know, they've seen him after his resurrection. But I think that shows the, just the comfortability that they had. You know, it, it doesn't didn't really feel like it had been a long time since they had seen him. You know, once he once he came back, that close connection that they had with him, which is something that all of us as believers can have. Obviously, not in the, the same way by actually seeing him, but all of us can have that connection where it's like maybe we haven't prayed in a long time, or haven't reached out to God, or haven't gone to church, you know, or any or anything like that. Haven't sung sung in in you know in the worship service, but when we get back to, to praying or to worshiping God or to just going to church and listening to a sermon, does, does it, this is a question for you. Does it feel like, you know, I'm sure I think, I think all of us as Christians have gone through portions, whether your definition of long is, you know, just a couple months or whether it's years, whatever the case, my question for you is, you know, what's that feeling when you do go back to again, either praying after a while or going to church again, what's, what's that feeling like for you when it's, when it's been a while? I mean, at the beginning, you know, when you've been straying from God, it's always tough at the beginning. Even if that's the, that's the main thing that prevents you from, from submitting to the Lord when you've been straying is that, you know, for a fact, when you turn back, you have to set everything aside. You have to focus, you know, go open up the word and set all your distractions aside and set all your you know, all, all of the things you've been doing that have been filling that void, you know, you got to put them aside, which is very uncomfortable. Hmm. If, if you get, if you get used to uh, relying on life's pleasures to, to bring you fulfillment in this life, they will fulfill you temporarily. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Like they will fulfill you temporarily, but the challenge you back to your question is that when you, when you have to turn back to God, you have to put those things to the side. And I think the longer that you go without coming before God, the harder it is to have that initial turn to God and to put everything aside and sit with, sit with what you've done. I mean, obviously forgiveness is, is something that, um, is given to us. You know, it's not like you, when I say sit with these things you've done, it's not like you have to sit in shame or guilt. Those are not things that God wants you to do, but there's, there also is some, there's a level of responsibility that you have to, to take for the actions you've done. And yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's in the beginning is a lot of resistance. Um, but I always find that it doesn't take too long to get back in the swing of things. You know, you're, if you have a bad spell, if you have a couple of days where you're not doing what you should be doing, or you're not reading or praying or anything like that, or if you're not temporarily, you know, can't go to church or something like that. I don't think that it takes, um, as much as you would think to get back into God's presence. I think it's all actually almost instant, kind of like we see in the story here. But uh, yeah, not not sure about yourself, but that's my perspective on that. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, I think I've seen it happen in my own life where if it has been, again, and a while could be different for different people. Some people would consider you know, just a couple of days without being in close communication with God a long time. Some people, some people go years without it, but whatever the case, um, you know, for me, it's often been on the shorter end of that. It's, you know, maybe a, a few weeks or even a couple months where I'm not really as close to God as I should be. But when I do, 
you know, realize that either I've been messing up or I've just been putting it aside. When I do come back to God, there is this, there's the connection there. And I think I feel it most powerfully when I, like, I'm not normally like a huge music person, but I think it just shows the impact of music for me. If it's been a while since I've been in close communion with God, if I am at church and there's a worship song that just really hits, hits my heart, that I could just feel that connection to God and be like, wow, you know, you're, you're showing yourself to, to me today with, with this song and, you know, drawing me closer to, to who you are. And so I think that's kind of what, what happens here with, with Jesus and his disciples. Yeah. And you know, you cannot be, uh, you can't be fearful, right? You, you can't be fearful. Um, if you've been straying from God to turn back to him, that's, that's one of the things that the enemy will use against you is, fear. And like I said, shame and guilt. Um, these things are not, you know, emotions are there for a reason. You should feel, uh, you should feel some negative emotion if you're not doing what you should be doing, but you should not allow these things to dominate your mind and prevent you Mm -hmm. from doing what God wants us to do, which is, is always turn to him. And as, as, um, you know, we, we've read about, uh, God's wrath and how just he is, but as much as he is that he's, he's a merciful God and he wants us to, um, to not be afraid to come back to him. So, yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't think it takes long. Like you said, you could be a song you hear at church and you're, you're back right into it and it provokes you to pray, provokes you to do these things at home and, and take action. But I think we all need that point where we, where we have to take action. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy to stray. So don't let those negative emotions, deter you, but kind of moving on here into the next, uh, segment of this, which is more about grace and which would fit, which would fit in with what we were just talking about is going on past verse 15 here. So could you take 15, uh, let's see, go through about 19. Yeah. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time, he, Jesus, said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. So we already talked about this earlier with some of the significance of, you know, the the charcoal fire, but it may be evident to you, but maybe not to everybody out there. So do you want to talk about uh, the significance of asking him three times if he loves him. Yeah. Uh, first of all, three, you know, whether you're a Christian or not is a very significant number in the Bible. You talk about the, the Holy Trinity being God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy spirit. Um, there are a lot of other threes. I'll just keep it, keep it short with that. Three days um, of resurrection before he resurrection, yeah, the resurrection. True. Yeah. Three, three is a very powerful number in, in Christianity. And so, Three also was applicable when before Jesus' death, he had been arrested. He was being tried by by the Sanhedrin, which was basically the court of like the high priests in Israel at the time. And while he was being tried, you know, the disciples, many many of them were were hiding away, afraid of what was going to happen next. One of them was out there, and that was Peter. However, he was afraid to let it be known that he was with Jesus. So three times he was asked by, by three different groups of people, do you know Jesus? Do you know who Jesus is? Do you, do you, don't you, you know, they'd ask him, don't you follow Jesus? Aren't you one of his disciples? And all three times Peter said, no, I don't know the man. And so that was, you know, denial of who Jesus was. You know, sometimes as, as Christians, we're familiar with Thomas denying, you know, not trusting that Jesus had risen from the dead. But Peter was kind of the first one to do that, to be like, I don't, I don't know who this guy is. I don't want to be associated with him. And so that's, that's the background there. And again, he was asked three times and all three times he said, no, I don't know Jesus. I don't want to be associated with him. But then here, 
Jesus gives him you know, an immediate chance at redemption by asking him three times, even though Jesus knows the answer, he knows what Peter's going to say. Um, but he asks him three times, do you love me? And so this is just an example of God's grace for us that even when we mess up, even when we deny, you know, whether that's literally denying him, which, you know, some of us might do, most of us probably won't, or if it's just den- denying him in the way that we live our lives, like you talked about earlier, when we when we fall away from faith or when we make mistakes, it shows, this story shows that Jesus does offer forgiveness and he gives us a chance at redemption. Yeah, and this makes me think about the topic of, um, you know, I guess being an evangelist. Because, you know, Peter denying Christ in the way that he did, um, we all have that ability, you know. We all have the capability, and we've likely done it many times in our lives, denying Jesus in front of others. And it may not be a actively, oh, I'm not a Christian. It may not be you saying, I'm not a Christian, I, I don't follow Christ. That's probably not the way it's done. But there's also... You know, there's also a, you know, they talk about sin by action and there's also sometimes sin by not, not action, not taking action, not saying something. Um, like when you're, when you're into, in a conversation and, and somebody asks you something about your beliefs and you, instead of choosing to, to say what you believe or, or tell them something they need, they need to hear, you choose to say, Oh, I, I don't really, I don't want to talk about that. Or, you know, you find a way out of the conversation I think that can be just as bad as openly denying your faith. Hmm. I mean, we think about certain things as being worse just because it sounds worse. But the fact is like, if you're denying your faith, no matter how it comes, doesn't matter. It's still, it's still as bad, you know, and, and we, we should live our lives in a manner in which is evident to everybody that we are followers of Christ. You know, it should come out in our demeanor. It should come out in our, our language. You know, Jesus said, um, it's not what goes into you that defiles you. It's what comes out of you. You know, uh, there's a proverb about, you know, the heart, protect the heart for it's, you know, everything flows from it. Mm -hmm. Where our heart is at, where our soul is at will be expressed through our words and it'll be expressed through what we say, what we talk about. You know, I think also think about the whole, um, you know, set your minds on, on God, you know, every, let everything be pure that you say. It's just a collective effort on our part. I think as Christians that we, we daily should be exemplifying God. And we think about Peter's denial as something that is expressed and it's a loud example of it and it's a bad example of it. But, um, we're likely guilty of this ourselves a lot of the times. So my question for you is, can you think of any situations in which you maybe didn't take on, you know, take up your cross as much as you should have? I think the easy one that, especially in today's world, the one that you mentioned already that that many Christians fall to is language. I know that's something that I can struggle with sometimes is using, you know, coarse talk or, or, or bad words or just, you know, not, not using my, my mouth to, to uplift others. Especially Um, on Saturday. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this past Saturday, <laughs> it, it, it might have been a little tougher day. Rushing down the sideline. I know Peter probably wasn't saying some great language during that. <laughs> well, it depends on which one. I didn't see his last rushing touchdown because I had left by that point. But oh, the TV was off. Yeah, t- well, I, I had to work anyways. I had to work. But that's my that's my excuse. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> situations like that can definitely cause that to arise. I think an easy another easy one for people our age is getting caught up in in drinking and and you know maybe maybe you're even doing drugs um but th- i think those are also easy and kind of that like party atmosphere and then obviously sex is another issue that that uh is a major major problem in today's today's society i guess um and so i think th- those are examples i mean anytime you sin really you're you're denying jesus because his his command for you is to live holy lives obviously it's not to be perfectly holy. That's not something we can attain, and, and Jesus knows that. But, you know, our our objective is to live lives like Christ. 
And so if we're not, if we're not doing that, we're effectively denying Jesus again. Like you, like you said, it's not as explicitly as saying, Oh, I don't believe in Jesus, you know, or saying, Oh, I don't want to be associated with Jesus. But anytime you mess up, no matter, I mean, there's no, you know, people talk about, Oh, it's, it's just, a, it's a little white lie or it's just a, it, this, that sin doesn't mean anything, but every, every sin that you commit is a denial of Jesus and a denial of your faith. And so, yeah. yeah, I mean, for for me personally, language, I feel like would be the one that I fall most often to, but you know, for different people, it's different issues. And I think it's important to remember that every time you're doing that, you're denying Jesus. Yeah. And I think, you know, the idea of, like you said, the white lie or the small sin, this is kind of the idea that Jordan Peterson, I'm not sure if you've listened to him much, but, um, I've listened to a lot of Jordan Peterson. I know he's very popular among younger guys and younger people in general uh, because he he teaches, you know, he, t- he basically takes the tenets, the principles from the Bible, and he teaches them in a way that says, like, you don't have to be a Christian to, like, recognize the value in these, in these beliefs. So he kind of makes it okay to, like, follow the Bible, the Bible in principle but not fully subscribe to it, which whatever. I mean, I'm not saying that's good or bad. I, it's, you know, how people like to do that. They, they treat the Bible as like a, phil, a philosophy book instead of like a, mm. you know, religious text. But he teaches an idea that, um, you know, in a universe where God does exist, every action that we take is like, has a cosmic effect on the future. Every action we take is so important, especially moral ones. Like if we, if our conscience allows us to cross that moral boundary one time, it's like you're saying, it's not just a white lie. That's going to lead to multiple lies in your future that you don't even realize. I mean, literally hundreds of hundreds of lies. Every decision we make, we've talked about this before, the, the butterfly effect. Mm-hmm. Every decision we make in our lives has a domino effect on the rest of our lives, on our future. And kind of blowing this up, not too far, but I mean, just to put some perspective the decision you make morally and especially in like the, the big situations that are, you know, the big decisions you make in your life are going to have an impact on your kids. They're going to have an impact on your kids, kids potentially. So this idea that you can make these little mistakes, Oh, it's not a big of a deal. No, like we have to be alert of the decisions we're making in our lives, every single decision, because they have a cosmic effect on our future and God teach, you know, that's in that, in this, it's in the word of God that that's evident. You don't even have to be a Christian to recognize that though. Like whether you believe in God or not, every decision you make will affect (laughs) your future in a large extent. So yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um, but kind of going back to this conversation of, cause I think it's important of, uh, you know, denying Christ. Um, I think that if our foundation is not properly set up, you know, if we don't have a proper foundation of what our faith is, we're always going to deny Christ. You know, if, if we're not, if we don't have these habits in place of serving God every single day of reading his word, of praying, of going to church, you know, not these things in the, in the, in and of themselves are not going to, make that big of an impact. But if we're not doing all of these things, you know, you, you can get away with not doing one or two possibly, but these, these core tenets of our foundation as Christians, if we're not maintaining them every single day, we are going to deny Christ much more than we would like to. So, uh, another question for you is how can we set up our lives so that we are not almost enabling ourselves to stray from God? Like what are some safeguards you can set up in your life to, to make sure that you're, you know, in relationship with God? I think number one is setting aside time to spend with God, whether that's in the word, in prayer, worship, going to church, you know, listening, listening to podcasts. It doesn't have to be this one. Obviously we appreciate when it is, um, you know, listening to, to Christians who true Christians, not people who put on a facade, you know, true Christians who share what the Bible has to say without adding, you know, a bunch of, you know, worldly commentary to it. Um, 
I think that's number one said, I mean, and people might say, Oh, I, I, I work all day. And then I have family that I have to, you know, I have kids and a wife that I got to deal with. And then I, you know, I have extracurriculars and stuff. There's no excuse for you to not spend at least some time. And, and again, for different people, there's different availability for that. But the number one priority and the number one safeguard is spending time in the word, in prayer, in worship, um, you know, just, um, obtaining knowledge about about god and being in a close communion with him because when you have that that's automatically i mean it's going to affect your psychology whenever you're placed into a situation where you can mess up you're going to think you know this this isn't something that that god wants me to do because either you you know you're in prayer with him so you have that close connection or you maybe read something about it yesterday or a couple days ago in the bible and you're like wow you know that was god trying to tell me to avoid this situation um and then number two I think is surrounding yourself with the right people who aspire to live by those same values. Um, you know, for, for some of us, we're very blessed with family who, who is like that. Um, I know, I know both of us are. Um, so that's, that's a huge blessing. And, but, but even for people who don't, the, the friends that you surround yourself with are vitally important to ensuring that you avoid these denials of Christ. If you're surrounding yourself with people that live by, by the world's standards and, oh, do, do what you want to do, do what makes you feel good in, in the moment, you know, do, do whatever you want to do. If you're surrounding yourself with people like that, you're going to end up falling into the same issues that the, that the rest of the world is dealing with. But if you have people, you know, for me, it's, it's my family and it's Joe and, you know, a few other friends, but, you know, really it's, it's my family and Joe that kind of keep me anchored in in faith and in what the Bible has to say. Um, and so I think those I would say are the two biggest priorities because if you're spending time with God and then the other people that you spend time with, you know, you're, you're going to avoid situations where you have an opportunity to mess up. You're going to be around people who, you know, for, for the most part are going to, you know, have the same healthy Christ-like habits that you have. And so I think those are the two priorities for, for me. Yeah, I would uh, I would have absolutely agree, especially with the second point. <clears throat> you know, I'm um I'll give you guys an example from my past and I'm not going to say any names or I'm not going to call anybody out or anything like that, but there was definitely a time in which um the people I was surrounding myself with were not were not uh ideal for my walk with God. And it is such a huge part of our of our really our makeup as people, but especially our relationship with God is who, who we are surrounding ourselves with. Because the fact is, you know, like I said, there was, when I was younger, you know, I had some, I had a lot of friends when I was growing up and I still do, but you know, as far as close friends, there was a person in my close circle who claimed to be a Christian and said it by name, but then, you know, we spent a lot of time, we'd hang out a lot and, the conversation, the the nature of the conversation was not productive. The conversation itself was very derogatory. Usually, you know, it's, it's vulgar jokes and all this and that. And just, you know, it's, it's what you would probably call foolish in nature. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with having fun. Like, I'm not saying, Oh, you gotta be uptight. Can't have fun. Like I, all my friends that I'm friends with, we, we have a good time. You know, we, we, we have a good time. It's just, Nobody wants to be all bumping a log, but there's also a time and a place to, to draw a line. And if you are a person who, you know, cares about your relationship with God and you care about your character and you care about your, um, just your overall well being in life, you know, you have to take inventory of your friends and there's absolutely nothing wrong. This is the, this kind of held me back for a long time from like moving on from this relationship because, you know, it was like one of those things where I felt bad kind of saying like, yo, you know, I I don't think probably shouldn't be hanging out too much anymore. Just kind of let go of that person or whatever. But there's nothing wrong with that. Like doing that, you know, if you have to do that, as long as you're respectful and as long as you, you know, explain your reasoning and everything like that, there's nothing wrong with, you know, moving on because the fact is people, people will come and go in your life. You know, relationships will come and go. People change. They grow older. I mean, I've had friends, you know, you grow up when you're a small kid and, you know, people, people change. They grow up, they grow older. And and the fact is maybe they don't have the same, um, what would you say? Moral compass, I guess. 
moral compass or values, yeah. Uh, values, you know, value system or just level of commitment to God. And, you know, you're going to have, you're going to have friends in your life that are not, especially even as a Christian that are not Christians and that's fine. But something that's coming to mind, my, my mind right now is this proverb I was reading a lot this summer, actually, I committed it to try to commit it to memory, but Proverbs eighteen twenty four. one who has, uh, I don't like the NIV interpretation of this. Let's get the ESV. Real quickly, while you're, while you're looking that up, I just want to make a comment. I think having a friend who claims to be a Christian and doesn't live that way is almost more dangerous than being around people who actually, you know, like, you know, aren't a Christian. Because when you're around people that you know aren't Christians, you kind of, you put a little bit of a guard up and you're, you're kind of more aware and just present and knowing that, you know, these people are probably, you know, they're not gonna have the same exact values that I do. But when you're around somebody that you think does and they don't live like that, I think that's, I think that's almost more dangerous than being around people that you know aren't gonna live by your moral compass, by the compass that God prescribes. Yeah, because if you don't have friends, <clears throat> if you don't have friends that, um, you know, say they're Christians, they actually are Christians and they live it out. Cause in this example, you know, this, this person claimed they were a Christian in my life and we were friends for a while. Um, but I, up to that point, I really didn't have many friends that any friends that said they were Christians and they lived it out. So like my impression was like, Oh, so everybody that says they're a Christian is going to act like this when I'm friends with them, hmm. but it's just not the case. And that's exactly to your point, because if you have a, what is it? A wolf in sheep's clothing is mm -hmm. what they say. You know, if you have a wolf in sheep's, sheep's clothing and you've never had those Christian friends and this, it's just going to impact how you see that going forward. So it's even more of a reason to take inventory and say, hold on a sec. Is this person, is this relationship bearing fruit in my life? Because if it's not, you need, you, you have to do what you have to do as a, as a person, as a Christian. And the proverb I was thinking of 1824 a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And yeah, I mean, if you have one person in your life that you can rely on spiritually, you know, they're going to be solid spiritually. Um, that one person could be more beneficial to you than 10 people that are not saved. You know, you can have 10 friends. Y'all get together, you have a good time. But at the end of the day, if you go home and you're like, you lay down in bed at night, and you're like, I have literally nobody I can talk to about God. That's an issue. Hmm. That's an issue. And I, and I think that's plaguing young people nowadays. Do you have any comment on that? Yeah. I mean, that last point is kind of, kind of sad to hear, but I, I definitely agree with it that so many people just don't have somebody who's there for them that they can lean on, whether it's a parent or a friend or, you know, maybe a teacher or a, or a pastor or something like that. I think so many so many households nowadays are broken um, for a variety of reasons. That's that's a whole different uh, podcast topic of why that's the case. But yeah, I mean, a lot of times, like for me growing up, it was off. It was almost always my dad. I mean, my mom also as well. Um, but my dad, especially as as a pastor, you know, he was always somebody that if I had questions about faith or if I had things that I was dealing with, I could go to and talk about. And even even sometimes if I if I wasn't, you know actively going after it myself there would be opportunities where he would you know come and talk to me and be like you know peter how are you doing in in this in this area um and so i think that's that's really important too to have that and i think that's something that is is sad that just doesn't happen as much um and so i think you know for those of you who maybe are out there and who don't have that you know you do you do i will admit you have to take some initiative to go out and try to find that I'm not trying to discourage you and say it's impossible to find. It definitely is still is still possible and still out there to find. Um, and really, I mean, once you can connect with like one person who's living that way, you'll often see, you know, another another couple of people that kind of follow that path too. And so I think, you know, f you know, if you're out there and you're looking for that, I think a good place to start would be a a church that truly preaches the word of God that isn't there just to, you know make make money because a lot of churches are out there just to, the, to do that or a church that kind of just presses what what the world wants to hear but a true church who's rooted in the scripture and in god's commands for us if you can find that you know there'll be a pastor there or maybe there'll be you know somebody at youth group that's around your age or somebody in a young adult group that's around your age or maybe an, an older church member you know who can kind of be like a mentor for you 
And I think, you know, some, the unfortunate thing too, is like I said, a lot of those churches, you're not going to find people like that. You're just going to find people who are there because it's their weekly, you know, objective to check off on the checklist is to go to church and that's, that's it for them just so they can say they went there. So I think it definitely is a challenge, but I also, I don't want to discourage people out there who are trying to find, you know, a true good Christian example. Yeah. I, you know, Peter and I got kind of lucky cause we met in high school. It's kind of just one of those things where, you know, your kids and you're growing up and it's, it's not as hard to make friends at that time in life, you know? So we kind of got lucky with that, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is on you to take the initiative and, uh, it's not impossible whatsoever. Um, and I, I also want to say that, uh, as far as making friends go, you know, one of the, the key tenets of a friend is, is trust. That's the entirety of a friendship is, is built on trust. And at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, if you have a friend in your life, that does not share the same value system as you, there is a level of trust that you just do not have with that person. You know, you could be the best friends in the world. I mean, I've had friends and I'll share another example from my life. I had a friend one time that I was, I mean, consider my best friend at the time. And we were friends for, for five, six years. And, um, I got in a situation with this person and thought I knew them like the back of my hand and they just flipped a switch. And, you could all boil it down to the fact that he was not spiritually sound. He didn't have, he did not have a strong relationship with God. He was not, I wouldn't say he was saved. So that was where the mistrust came in. But you talk about a relationship with, you know, luckily I have a couple friends in my life, but especially, you know, Peter and I, we have that trust because we know like at our foundation, we got the same value system. We have that trust. So, not even saying that, um, I'm, I'm speaking mostly to people who are not saved when I say this, but just like not even including everything we said about your spiritual health and why you need Christian friends, but just as a general scope, like the secular reason for you having Christian friends is because you can trust them hmm. because outside of that, why? I mean, yeah, you, I mean, you could trust somebody just cause you know, there are people out there. I have friends right now that are, I don't know if they're saved or not, but I, I feel like I could trust them almost with my life. I mean, it's not impossible to find that, but it's just, you don't have that guarantee as much as you have with somebody who, you know, is sound spiritually. Would you agree with that? Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, you know, that, you know, that somebody who's truly rooted with Christ, cause another thing that is difficult is there's so many fake Christians out there. So many, you know, people who just put on a facade of being a Christian, but people who are truly rooted in Christ, you know they're not going to be compromised by worldly values. I put that in quotes for our listeners out there because um, it's tough to call them values, some of the things that the world puts on, on a pedestal. Um, but yeah, you know that a, that a Christian's not going to be, you know, they're, they're going to put being honest and truthful with you over an opportunity to maybe advance themselves by stabbing you in the back or lying behind your back or something like that you know that you know they're going to value if if you're in a relationship they're going to value that that connection that you have with you know for for guys out there with a girlfriend that you have or for girls with the with the boyfriend that you have they're going to value that and they're not going to try to step in there and you know mess with that because they know the importance of of one man one woman together um in the sight of god and you know there's a whole other list that i could go down you know they're not gonna they're not gonna lie to you just the basic thing they're not gonna lie to you because they know that lying is wrong and that that's something that that nobody should do christian or not um even you know quote unquote innocent lies like we talked about earlier you know there's a, there's a whole list of different things different you know examples of why why again true christians i want to emphasize that because people when if i you know sit here and say you know, that, that Christians believe in, people are going to be like, well, Christians don't live like that. That's because so many people live under the false impression of being Christians. But when you have a true Christian, who's your friend, you you know, that they're going to have the same values as you, as you, like you said, Joe, and they're not gonna, you know, fall to, to the ways of the world and end up, end up wronging you in some way. And so I think, yeah, the, the value of having Christian friends is immeasurable. Yeah. And, and it reminds me of, you talk about uh, stabbing you in the back with the first chance of, of worldly gain. You know, I think of an example, actually, I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, Logan Paul and Mike with Impulsive, mm-hmm. there's been a couple of times where, you know, Mike is presented with the opportunity to, to take a shot at Logan and he's stabbing the back a couple of times, bro. And it, it was like a massive thing. And it's, and it's, 
it's one of those situations where neither of them are, you know, they don't, they don't have a relationship with God to my knowledge. They kind of deny it. So, you know, that's in the mainstream, but that's just one example. But yes, you have to have that foundation. If you don't have that foundation, you know, tying this all back into what we were talking about, you're going to be more likely to deny Christ in many ways you may not even thought of. Um, you're going to, you're not going to have trust with your relationships. You're not going to have a foundation of trust, any relationship, you know, you're talking about dating. Of course, like if you, if you're in a dating relationship, it's a must. I mean that there are men who get and women, I guess I it's feel like it's more common among men that I've heard, but there are men who never recover from heartbreak. I mean, I can think of a couple of people I know myself that they're forties, 50 year old years old and they just never recovered because a girl did them dirty like that. And it's like, that's what you're risking. You know, if you don't have that foundation, if you're not taking those safeguards, yeah, you know, there's a reason for everything. There really is a reason for everything in the Bible. And that's what I was going to say earlier on in the conversation was, you know, all these things we talk about, it's fantastic to, to take in for Christians, but for all of you who are not Christians out there, every rule in the Bible or every, I don't even want to say rule, every guideline for us human beings to live by, that were, that were given to us in this book that is the literal word of God. Every guideline we have is, yes, it is a rule from God saying you should not do this or you should do this, but it also manifests itself if we follow these guidelines. We are blessed. Our souls are blessed. We have peace in our lives. We have fruit that is getting that is being bore. Is that the right pronunciation of that? We have you know, these spiritual blessings that come from following God's word and every single command in the word, we have trust to follow. I I know I do. I'm sure I guarantee Peter does too. And everybody who's, who's on track with God, we, we trust these guidelines that when we actually, we have an episode up called taking joy in his commands because there truly is joy that comes from following these guidelines. You know, it's, it's kind of a, I know we talked about this last episode or a couple episodes ago. I think it's kind of funny because, you know, it's like, God's like, Hey, you, sh- you should do this. You shouldn't do this. And it's like, yeah, but if we don't, if we don't follow it, we're going to be screwed anyways. So <laughs> it's, it's kind of like you have a choice, but you kind of don't. Cause if you don't choose to follow it, you're going to see the, the, you know, the repercussions from it. Right. You know, but, but some people, I, I mean, not some people, a lot of people are willing to, to sacrifice that for the, the temporary gain that comes from, from avoiding the the long-term blessings that we can have through through faith and through a relationship with God. I will say <clears throat> to wrap this all up the joy not even joy the fulfillment that comes from material gain from materialism from this nihilistic worldview it pairs in comparison. It's not even close. And if you're going to trust these things I mean, what's, what's the best case scenario, Peter? Is it, is it, you know, for somebody who rejects God openly and they, they choose to reject God, what's the best case scenario? You get famous, you get money, you get rich and you get all these, you know, as a man, you get pretty girls around you and you got nice car. But I mean, is that it? Is that all there is? Because man, I mean, even, even the best case scenario doesn't sound that, that, uh, appealing if you ask me without God. Yeah. And I mean, some people will talk about legacy, you know, creating a name for themselves that, that outlives them, but I mean, we see it now with with so many historical figures eventually kind of getting torn down for the things that they were doing to get to the the level of status that they have. So, and at the end of the day, it's it's what's most important is is eternal life and where you're going to be spending that. And I think I would sacrifice being, you know, it, it, there's there's a passage in the Bible, you know, man who sacrifices his soul, who gains the world but sacrifices his soul. I'd rather sacrifice the world and and gain my soul. You know, that's a value that not a lot of people have nowadays, but as Christians, it's something that should be at, at the forefront of what we do. And that doesn't mean, of course, that we can't have success, but success, you know, success earned or given without, without God is, is not the type of success that I want to have. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself, so... I mean, any, any final comments before we wrap this episode up? 
Uh, I think we, we we didn't touch on it too much, but I, I also just want to you know talk quickly about about trust um, and how important that is. Kind of th- through all of this, trusting in God to get you through tough times, trusting in God to lead you down the right path. Um, back to verse six, just real quick. He said, "Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some." When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. So I think that that talks about, you know, they weren't able to catch any fish. They were struggling to get through. Maybe you're struggling to see, you know, to use a term that Joseph used, struggle to see the fruit of, of living, living, you know, a life with, with God at the forefront. Maybe you're struggling to see that. Or maybe you're not even a Christian, and so, you you know, you're not seeing blessings in life for, for other reasons or, you know, because you're not close with God. I think that, that, that part of the passage right there shows that, if we keep putting our trust in God, and this isn't um, prosperity gospel to say, you know, you're going to be rich and famous and everything, but eventually we will be blessed. And, you know, for, you know, I hope for as many of, of, of us that are, you know, for us talking and for everybody listening, I hope that's in this life. But ultimately, even if you got to wait to the next life, you know, you will receive blessings for living a life trusting in God. Uh, and so that's just my kind of my final encouragement that even when you're going through the struggles of of a sin that you're dealing with or not ha- not being surrounded by by strong Christian believers or struggling with any of the other things that we touched on in this episode just keep 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 your head down keep or I, I guess keep your head up focused on on God and eventually you will reap the benefits of that yeah I mean it's you know faith in any context is belief in things that are not seen and that applies even to your own walk as a Christian if you're at a certain point in your walk where you're kind of losing hope or losing faith that things are going to turn for the better because you don't have these friends, you don't have this community yet or whatever. You know, you have to apply the same principle of faith that you have in God to your own life and that um, trusting the process kind of thing. You know, we're me and Peter are big football fans. We hear about trusting the process all the time throughout the season, you know, taking one game at a time, one day at a time, literally one minute by the, at a time. That's, that's the mindset you got to have, you know. What can I do today? to improve, you know, my relationship with God by 1% and do that every single day. And a month from now, six months from now, a year from now, you will see massive, massive differences. So, you know, what can that be? I mean, it, it can be something as simple as you dedicating five minutes a day to start reading the Bible if you're not reading the Bible. Or if you're already doing that, it could be you going to church once every two weeks. Or, you know, you choose, if you're going to church already, maybe you start going to a life group, you know, just show up and kind of see what's going on or or maybe you try to talk to somebody at your church that is a like peter was saying like a mentor figure i mean that's huge you know if you're just the fact is in a fallen world maybe your parents are not that great of examples so maybe you have to seek other mentors in your life you know and it's just it's something that like i said it's it's believing in things that are not seen you have to have faith that things will improve um, and, and not only in your walk with Christ, but in anything in life that will get you through it and you will do, you will get better. You will be successful and you will grow in your relationship with God and in your life in general, if you apply that mindset to everything you do. So with that being said, I think that's about it for this episode. Um, appreciate everybody listening. Like we said at the beginning, uh, very happy with some of the numbers we've been seeing on the podcast. Uh, you know, again, we're still putting in the work. We're still working on improving things and you guys will continue to see that. I'd like to start integrating some more, some more guests possibly in the future. So stay tuned for that. But if you made it this far, thanks for listening. Make sure you like and rate the podcast on Apple and Spotify. This is episode 24 wrapping up. We will see everybody hopefully next week. Peace out. Peace.